16. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everyone in good spirit. I hope God is blessing you in so many ways uh, with our lessons. So, uh, today we're going to start with chapter 5. But as usual, I'm going to review what we've done so far so that those who have been in and out at least can be abreast with where we are. Uh, we've been looking at First Timothy, the whole book, and we're going to chapter 5 today. Chapter 1, remember Paul talks about himself, his, his Christian experience, his conversion experience, and then uh, he charges Timothy to preach the gospel. And we are looking at these things within the context that there is false doctrine in Ephesus where Timothy was stationed. And so all Paul's concern is really about the purity of the gospel. And so he charges Timothy to stick to those found, the foundation of the gospel so that the people, the church would grow, I mean, in the, in the, in the way it ought to go. So in chapter 1, he talks about doctrine, specifically the gospel. And then he moves to chapter 2, where he talks about the conduct of uh, men and women regarding worship, public worship. So he says, pray for everyone. Pray for kings. Pray for you know, your government and things like that. Pray for your church members. Okay? And then he talks about the role of women in the local church. We discuss all of that in chapter 2. So public worship is very, very important to uh, the Christian. Then Paul talks about the qualifications of deacons and pastors. And we discussed those qualifications. And we said that they were not just for pastors or uh, church leaders, but for everyone. Because we have to be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the qualifications you expect to see in your pastor should be the same thing you expect to see in your husband or yourself or your child. So we discussed that in chapter 3. And he ended chapter 3 with that wonderful verse, verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Then we move on to chapter 4. And he warned uh, Timothy about the existence of apostasy. Okay, some will depart from the faith. Some will, it's a fact. It's not like, no. Some will depart from the faith. And we said that this is not like uh, scholarly people discovering new ideas, no. But Paul says that those who depart from the faith have their motivation from demons, doctrines of devils. So these things are real. So some of the fanciful ideas we see in Christianity are not men's ideas. It comes right from the pit of hell because it damns the soul. As Pastor Tim uh, Weeks was here, Peter speaks about the same thing in the book of Peter. We have the same thing in Jude. So uh, we have that consistency in scripture. He says that well, we should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly. So it's not something that you can kind of have a laid-back approach. No. You should be able to listen to a preacher and within three minutes, you should see that it's either false or true. If you are well 
your knowledge of scripture is very, very good. That's how you should operate. Because it's, it's the, 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 the culture we find ourselves is not passive. We are being kind of consistently hemmed in. And woe betide any of us who just, you know, adopts a laid-back approach to Christianity. We don't have to be inactive. We have to be active students of God's word and then walking in obedience with scripture. So uh, Paul also goes on to talk about Timothy's ministry. He says that even though Timothy has got a gift, he needs to cultivate that gift. So you don't have a gift and then just say, oh, I'm okay. I'm a good teacher. I'm a good Sunday school teacher. I'm a good uh, greeter or whatever it is you are doing, um, the role you are playing in church. You need to earnestly you know, cultivate that gift. So this is serious business. And uh, even Timothy was heir to do so much more us. Okay. And he talks about he exercising himself to godliness. And we look at the root word, which is like going to a gym. The way you want your muscles to, you know, stick out like that. That is how you have to exercise yourself to godliness. And we say, what is godliness? Someone talks about the godly man and the ungodly man. I mean, those pictures are very clear. The godly man will be like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth what is fruit in this season. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. But are like what? The chaff that the wind what blows away. So you can see the two pictures. And I made a statement which Chris kind of liked. He said, godliness puts a man in heaven even before he's dead. Elsewhere, Paul argues that against such, there is no law. So all of us should aspire. We should exercise ourselves to godliness. So Paul ended that chapter by talking about uh, uh, Timothy's efficiency as a minister. How can he be efficient? He says that watch over your own soul. Even as you warn others, you need to watch over your own soul. And brethren, I think this is something that we need to have a sober reflection over. Sometimes in our zeal to get people you know, converted, we neglect our own souls. Right? And so how can we cultivate that habit? We have to make use of the means of grace. What are the means of grace? Scripture reading, prayer meetings, personal prayer, fellowshipping with the brethren, you know, making friends of God's children. So you remember I ended by reading you the hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. Speak of to thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. You see. So you can see that Christian ministry is serious business. You can't be a church officer and you just go and sleep and just wake up and think that it's a business as usual because you are dealing with souls. You are dealing with heaven and hell. Like Pastor was saying during the prayer meeting, I mean the prayer session, 
you know no none of us owns tomorrow none of us owns tomorrow and this is why the ministry of the gospel is so urgent nobody owns tomorrow so in all of these things you can see that the heartbeat of paul he's always concerned about the church so today we're going to start with chapter five here he opens it up we are going to look at groups in the church individuals in the church so we talk about men how should church leaders treat the men widows how should we treat the widows the widows we have categories those who have the ability to marry again and those who are beyond 60 he, the, the, the age is actually mentioned there and i'm going to give you the bigger context and then we'll have a very wonderful this uh, discussion in fact throughout the week whilst i was reading the chapter for at first value, it looks mundane. Do this, don't do that. But the more you study it deeply and you, and you situate the text within the context of current culture, you can see that scripture is really, really powerful. And that's the impression I got when I did a deeper study. So I hope that I can convey that enthusiasm with you or to you as you go. So let's pray briefly and then we have Mr. Chris reading for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to fellowship around your holy word. Lord, come and dwell amongst us. Come, illuminate our understanding to behold wondrous things out of thy law. Bless this sacred time of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, if you have your copy of scripture, kindly turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, it's 1 to 25. I don't think we can do even half. Because verse 1 alone has so much to teach us. So we'll do up to 16. We'll, let's read up to 16. And then we'll start our discussion. And wherever we reach, Lord willing, next week we'll continue. Verse 10 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll young, younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur the condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going out about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. But so I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their household, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. 
some have already strayed from strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Chris. <clears throat> so, uh, let me just uh, give you the context for this study. Uh, I'm told that uh, every year in America, about a million elderly Americans, about one out of 25, are abused by relatives. Few people are aware of such abuse, although it occurs with a frequency only slightly less than child abuse. Only one in six cases ever comes to the attention of the authorities, and victims are likely to be 75 or over or older. And women suffer more than men. And the most likely abuser is the son, followed by the daughter and spouse. So you can see that, you know, you compare this situation to what we have in scripture. Christians are supposed to do much, much, much better than this statistics is telling us. So why is this study important? And we are looking at the larger context. Okay. Now, remember the church. Why does the church exist? What is the goal of Christianity? What is the goal of Christianity? To glorify God. Yes. I'm looking for particular answers, a more scriptural answer. <laughs> you are right. The glory of God. Yes. I want the scripture, Romans 8. What is the goal of Christianity according to Romans 8? Yes. What is the end of the gospel? Romans 8, 28, 29. Nothing can separate you from God, right? Eternal life, nothing can separate you from God. Yes, you are right. But Romans 8, 28, 29. What is the goal of Christianity? I want the right, right word. To be conformed to the image of Christ. That is the goal. To be conformed to the image of Christ. So daily, we should be improving, we should be growing, so that we can be conformed to the image of Christ. Sometimes we say, we are being trained for heaven, like you said, eternal. So the church is the training ground. And so, Within the context of this discussion, we are saying that, you know, God created the world so that for his glory, but what happened in Genesis? There was sin, the fall, and then what happened? Christ, I mean, God promised Genesis 3.15, his redemptive work. So the church is supposed to restore that intended order of God. And so we have a great responsibility to live above board. So in the way we treat widows, elderly men, and those along the chain, we must do better. All right? So the world is full of corruption and confusion, okay? But we have been restored, and therefore we have to grow 
in that sense, in that sense, through the reconciling work of Christ. So it's not a kind of a, like we, we always say, it's not like a straight jacket. We need to be growing, doing better, okay, every time, working out the transforming impact of the gospel in our lives. So this is the context within which we are speaking. So uh, remember, Paul uses the term household. We've met household in chapter 3. The church is described as what the household of God, and we explain that household, we're talking about the Christian family. Okay, the Christian family. So, in the church family, we have all kinds of what? Ages represented. Children, youth, young men, young women, elderly couples, you know, widows, widowers, and what have you. Now, the church leaders should have a responsibility. I mean, they have the responsibility for setting in place a strategy, a scheme to take care of what? Our own. Before we extend it to those outside. There are some churches that have got it the other way around. They, <laughs> you know, take care of the bigger community at the expense of the local body. So Paul gives some rules. Okay, and we'll look at that, that shortly. Now remember, the church is not a corporation. The, co the church is not a social group. We are talking of saved, baptized members, membership. And that is why you have a responsibility to belong to a local church. There are some people who have no connections to any local church. They are all over the place. Today they are here, next day they are there. They, are, they have no connections to any local church. If you are a member of Trinity, I assume that your name is in the church register. We have your phone number. We have your address. So that we have contact. By now, you should have Pastor Tim's email, his uh, phone number, I assume, and things like that. So that, you know, when something happens, we can know. It's not just when something happens, but we should be in connection one with the other. All right? This is just the modern way we, we do things. All right? And I think now with really social media, we've kind of even elevated the, you know, togetherness. All right? So, uh, the church has a, has a, have, um, we are a people, but the church also has problems. There is no local church that has not got a problem. Every local church has got its own unique problems. But with grace, we are able to solve the problems. All right. So, uh, let's look at the first instruction. Men, fathers and brothers. Can you, uh, somebody kindly read it for us. Verse 1, chapter 5. If you find it, kindly read it for us. First Timothy five one. Do not rebuke an older man, but mm -hmm. encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers. Mm -hmm. Now we are talking of confrontation. Do not rebuke. Do not confront. Okay? We are talking of you know being gentle with your rebuke. You know, sometimes when there's a problem, the way it is handled makes people leave the church for instance the way it is handled alright so I want us to spend some time discussing just verse 1 we are talking of elderly men here now remember elderly men have experience alright 
But it doesn't mean that they are always doing the right thing. Sometimes things happen, but the church leaders have a responsibility to speak the truth in love. And he, Timothy, remember, is a younger man. And younger is relative. Some people say he could be at least 30. Some people say he could be 35. Some say it could be up to 40. In Jewish culture, those all from 20 to 40, I understand, you are considered young. Okay, so here is a young man handling the church and full of elderly men, senior citizens. Okay, and when there's a fall, I mean, uh, 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 something happens, how should you deal with it? Okay, so let me uh, show you something interesting, and I'll, ask, I'll do this by asking questions. Uh, the first one is, how do you yes now when it comes to rebuking okay which hindrance to correction is the most common excuse for not doing it which hindrance the way we when you have to rebuke somebody the hindrance is okay which hindrance to correction is the most common excuse for not doing it Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, yes. Age, because of the person's age. You feel like you're going to make them angry at you. Okay. 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 So, what did, how, I mean, who is in that position to speak to somebody about, I mean, an elderly person, a man, for instance, in that situation, in the church? Who is in a position to address that? If somebody else, an elderly person, is found in the fault, who is in a position to address that? Maybe the pastor is even much younger. Another older man. An older man. And an older man walking. With God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think that any man could, younger or older, could. Rebuke an older man, but only with judgment that's coming from the Bible, like okay. not your own personal judgment. Like it has to be God's judgment, but mm -hmm. you could encourage someone along, which would actually kind of be rebuking. Okay. Ah, uh, now the next question. Now, you know, when it comes to these things, some people think that confront confronting people like that's okay. They describe it that it can be abrasive, and then others others also think that you know. Gentleness means not being strong, opposite ends. Now, where do we strike the balance? Okay, when it comes to rebuking elderly people. Without being abrasive, and then without being not too kind of treated, treating it with kid gloves. Where do we strike that balance? Not too strong, not too... I mean, when you read it, it's uh -huh. just as if you were talking to your own father. Uh -huh. So I think we're supposed to be respectful mm -hmm. for our fathers mm -hmm. and honor our fathers. Mm -hmm. But if you have any sort of relationship with your father, I would hope you could be honest with your father, mm -hmm. too. When I talk to my dad, I'm super honest with yeah. him, yeah. but I should also respect him and honor him as well. Yeah. And that, yes. I think it's also important you're in a family. The church is family. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about that mostly all through here. <laughs> so 
being in a family, I can go to someone. It doesn't matter if I'm going to Jay or if I'm going to Bud. I'm going to a brother. <laughs> and and there should be a level of respect there, not only as I'm going to them, but as they're relating to me. Mm-hmm. There should be that, you know, I said being uncomfortable and, and she said, you're afraid what they're going to think about me. It doesn't matter. We're still going to be brothers. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And both of us should understand that when we're approaching each other. Yes. So ideally, you know, we should have a kind of relationship amongst ourselves. We should have that personal one-to-one so that it becomes easy or easier when some of these things happen, then we can rebuke in love. We can speak the truth in love. Without we ourselves considering, you know, as if we are in a kind of, you know, a bad, you want to say something? I would like to uh, respectfully mm-hmm. question the use okay. of the term rebuke. Rebuke, I yes. I want the definition of rebuke. Uh-huh. We don't approach each other with rebuke. Okay. We approach a brother with help and love. What does the scripture say? Do not rebuke. Okay, do not rebuke. rebuke Yes. And express sharp disapproval, and we don't do that with brother. Okay. So I, I, with respect to you, yes, I understand. Challenging so much use of the word rebuke. Rebuke. Okay. So that tells me I can go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now remember, uh, the, there's a word called reproof, right? Uh, first, is it Second Timothy three or First Timothy three? I think it's Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. Okay, uh, Kevin, you want to say something? I was just going to say, following that, I think <clears throat> with the Greek term, there are some translations that yeah. have the word sharply. Sharply. Okay. That's the best way. It's sort of conveying there, yeah. not necessarily. The idea that we can't, but with the older uh, men, mm-hmm. uh, believers who may be sinning, there's a certain gentleness yes. uh, that, that, that you should approach it with mm-hmm. uh, because of, of that situation. Okay. Proverbs 27 6 Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. wounds, but just let me finish it, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're saying we're going to question about the word, whatever we're doing, whatever we want to call it, yeah. is wounding them. But for the purpose of, I would say, like a surgery, you're removing cancer, like that's people, but you need to do it. They need to be set straight. They need to have their skin taken out. Does anybody have another version of scripture? Maybe you could check for us. Another uh, Bible version of First uh, Timothy 5 1 for us. What, what does the. Uh, KJV, for instance, say anybody tech. <laughs> Everybody's at work. <laughs> There's some <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, anybody. If you find it, if you find uh, another version, um, uh-huh. do uh-huh. uh-huh. harshly, yes. but exhort. Uh-huh. He was your father. Uh-huh. All right. Do not rebuke him harshly. Yes. Yes. So it's all about speaking the truth in love. And it's more it's more of a having that personal relationship with people. So I think the the, the harshly there, you know, it, it talks about maybe you, you do it with kind of kind of a temper, you know, you 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 just you know bled it out. But I think usually we, we sit people down and then have that dialogue, you know, 
But when it's sin, you have to call it sin. And I think that's where usually the problem is. Yes, sir. I think we ensure too that or show them in the scriptures where they're sin. Yes. Hopefully, yeah. if they love the scriptures and they're not going to be offended by that, yeah. you just go to them and say, this is wrong, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. That might tend to get offended by that. But if they see that right there in the Word of God, then they'll yeah. All right, so to help aid with the discussion, what are some biblical guidelines for knowing when to let something go and when to confront? Yeah, I just want to say something briefly. Okay. Uh, I mean, we all know this was a problem that was going on in the church. Yes. And Paul was trying to address it. Mm-hmm. So are we having the same problem right now in the church? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's, we are learning. If we don't have the problem now, it doesn't mean that a year or two or three or four, we might not have that problem. But we are learning. Remember, it's not just for the church, even as a family. Okay? Father, son. Father, daughter. These principles will hold. Okay? Finish your thought. Yes, please go ahead. Just to follow up on that, in one sense, we are having the same problem because, you know, older Christians are going to send. Totally good happen. You know, so this is not something that is unique to mm-hmm. Timothy's situation. Mm-hmm. And just in pastoral ministry, I've had tons of situations where I've had to, you know, gently admonish older guys. Um, so you know, I, I'd be very careful of saying that this was like so unique to mm-hmm. what Timothy was experiencing mm-hmm. that it's not applicable to us today. I mean, again, so long as we live in this world with temptations, uh, there are going to be older guys, and when they're in obvious sin, we are called upon to. You can prove that from mm-hmm. dozens of other okay. passages in mean, church discipline passages and whatnot. And again, I think the emphasis here is that when you do it to an older man, just you know, use a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage you to you know stick to clear sin. You know, don't admonish if you just you know, don't like the color of the tie. <laughs> don't think, you'd be surprised how often people admonish one another on dumb stuff that we're free in Christ to do or not do. Yeah. Uh, but when it's obvious sin, uh, you, you can't you know to not do it is sin. You know, some of you, some of you remember the situation. It was like ten years ago. Uh, a guy in our church left his wife and ran off with some woman that was, you know, we found on Facebook. Um, and he was literally like about the age of my dad. But as pastor, I couldn't not address that situation. It was really like intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember this passage. I'm like, what does it look like? You know, I, everybody recognizes this as a sin, but at the same time, you know, he's an older man who's mm-hmm. you know, served here for a long time, so I've got to somehow color, you know, what I'm dealing with respect. Yeah, it was really, really hard. But um, again, don't think that this is not a problem for Christians today. It will be a problem for Jesus. Yeah. Um, there's plenty um, of, you know, it, there's scriptures, I was looking for, I find yet, but just where that there are times we need to overlook a sin, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd say first, go to Matthew 5. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, do we have a log in our own eye, first mm-hmm. of all? Like, we better have our heart right before God before we go up to the speck and Else's yeah. And then once we've dealt with ourselves and we have a pure heart, we're seeking God and God's leading us to do this, to confront someone truth, telling the truth in love. Um, it, it's, you have to, like, I think there's, everybody trips, everybody makes mistakes, and, uh, and hopefully most of us are like, oh, I'm sorry, but I can't forgive me, whatever. But if it's an attitude of, you know, a direction that someone is heading, and you see, you don't see repentance, and they are justified in their minds for whatever you know a reason. That's when we need to step in. You know, like it's not to, to go around pouncing every little infraction that people do. You know, if our heart's right, we see someone going in a bad direction. They're un, 
unrepentant, that's when it's kind of like, hey, you're going in a bad way. Mm -hmm. You know, let me tell you, you know, um, what I see and I love you. Let me help you, you know, mm -hmm. with the goal of restoration. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that should be the aim, okay, to restore an erring brother into the right uh, way he ought to go. All right. Yes. Yes. I can tell you, it's 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 not easy. Something like Pastor was saying. Okay. To for for you to confront an older person, it's it's it's, it's you need a lot of courage, and you must have the right basis to do that. And so we shouldn't have kind of um run with any little thing, you know. There are some things that I think providentially the Lord through pastor sermons, our devotions, and, you know, sometimes even random conversation with our fellow brethren just speaks to our hearts. And then whatever thing is going on, you use that wisdom to address those things. So sometimes it may not have to come to that extent. If we are growing in grace, you know, the weekly sermons and prayer meetings and all of that, and help us, you know, keep, you know, we, 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 we fall, we get up, fall, that, that kind of Kevin, you wanted to say something? I'm just going to say, I think, along the lines, it's, you know, a lot of times you can really boil it down to, you know, thinking about who do we fear, you know, do we fear man or fear God, and just reevaluating ourselves and how we are going to approach a situation mm -hmm. when, when we're faced with that. And yeah. I think a lot of times there is a temptation to really lean more towards the fear of man. Mm -hmm. uh, when we know what the responsibility is as believers, as followers of Christ, uh, we still have that temptation to lean towards the fear of man as opposed to the fear of God. And so sometimes it's, I think it's a really uh, soul-searching time to see where we are at and what are we going to be faithful to. But you wanted to come in again? Well, I was just thinking about the situation that Pastor Tim mentioned. Uh, I, I did get involved a little bit. The age difference, even though he was younger than me, uh, we had a real nice, friendly conversation. Uh -huh. I couldn't convince him of anything because he knew. I came out of the conversation, he knew what he was doing was wrong. Okay. And he didn't have anything negative to say to me about his wife, which was kind of a positive. But be that as it may, he didn't change his direction. He continued towards his wife. Florida, with his old high school sweetheart, uh, and it was very sad because this man taught Sunday school, very knowledgeable in the Bible, and I didn't rebuke him. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so I handled it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is out of character for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> uh, even even after he left, uh, we still communicated back okay. and forth by text. Yeah. In that way, it, it went away, but uh, yeah. I didn't hurt his feelings. Yeah. Uh, I just give you an example. Uh, in Ghanaian culture, you know, I come from Ghana, so in Ghanaian culture, when there is something that is bothering a fam family member, or uh, when something serious, okay, occurs. You know, when we address these things, at dawn, at dawn, 4.35 a.m., and then everybody sits down. 
in that you know everything is calm and then back you know it's it's solved usually it's a it's, 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 it's a traditional thing you sit up at dawn to address problems within the family if it's a father son mother whatever and then you all sit down you do it and then if you are believers you pray and then everybody goes away it works that's traditional Ghanaian. No. There's different ways then. There are times the sin is obvious. Yeah. You know, someone's forcing their wife and un- unrightfully and everything. Yeah. But then there's also, you know, I could just be having a conversation with them. I go, by the way, I saw you coming out of the bar the other day. Yeah. down the street got a flat tire and he said, could you go in and let Joe know, you know, and I know a very personal story that that's, that's what happened. And someone went to him and they go, what? And he goes, I have a flat tire. I understand how it looks. Things can look a certain way, and it's not that way. And in a conversation, just having a simple conversation, you can, you know, find out what's going on without saying, "Okay, we need to sit down." I'm bringing the pastor in. <laughs> you know. Yes. So, oh, go ahead, Emmanuel. Yes, the answer was not my right, and I want to ask why. Why are we having the same problem in verse one? Come again. You are having. Why are we not having the same problem? Why are we not having the same problem? In 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 where? Uh huh. I don't get the question. <laughs> yeah, we we are having. That's why talking to so in verse one, the, it's specifically talking about older men, how to treat older men. You're supposed to treat them differently. So this word rebuke, it's actually only used once. And that's why some translations are saying don't sharply mm-hmm. rebuke. Yeah. It's a different type of rebuke than say Second Timothy four, where mm-hmm. convince, rebuke, exhort. It's a different type of word. So like he's saying treat an older man differently mm-hmm. than you would maybe a younger man. The older man mm-hmm. you can't sharply mm-hmm. rebuke mm-hmm. him, but treat him like your father. And mm-hmm. people can make that mistake mm-hmm. back then and today. And so that's why Paul's saying to Timothy how we ought to treat older men in the church. You treat them a little bit differently than you would maybe a younger person. You can't sharply rebuke them. You know, uh, I guess the implication is that a younger person mm-hmm. can sharply rebuke. Sense in which what Dave's saying is true. Like, you don't sin, but when yeah. when you admonish like your kids, you do speak to them differently than yeah. your spouse, yeah. or at least you, you ought to. Uh, <laughs> and I was reminded of this yesterday. One of my children that I won't name was getting a little bit flippy <laughs> with me. And I, I said to them, "Listen, smarty pants." <laughs> But one of my, I was on the phone, and one of my other kids thought I was talking to my wife. He was like, 
hey, you should not talk to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and right there, he was right. You know, but under the circumstances, I think it was okay for me to talk that way to my son, but I would never in a million years talk that way to my wife. You know what I'm saying? So I do think that there is a you know, again, be, be very careful of sin, you know, you don't get, you know, you know, your profanity or demeaning speech or anything like that. But I do think that there is sometimes a harshness that you can use with your own kid. Maybe not harshness, but like a directness with your own kids that you wouldn't use with an older, you know, especially with parents. And I think the whole thing is take that same attitude toward all older folks in the church. Yeah, I think that... The main thing, it's just the general, it's, it's just the general principle that yes. there's going to be sin and conflict within the church. Mm -hmm. I think that's to, to answer what he's yes. saying. I mean, you might not see some of these problems like yeah. right this exact second in mm -hmm. our church body, yeah. but there's a general principle, yeah. Or there could be things. I mean, because we're all sinners, and yes. so we need some kind of a system for dealing with it. We need to all kind of give us, like, you know, guidelines for mm -hmm. when this happens because we all sin, mm -hmm. deal with different people differently and according to God's word. I mean, hey. so. Yeah, yes. As of now, I want us to have a kind of a verse by verse exposition, and then when we come to the end, we'll sum up all the principles together. You, are, you get me? So, are you okay now, Emmanuel? Or still, we can talk after it when we close from here. All right, time is fast spent, but just to wrap up only on verse one, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wanted to quickly say something to what Pastor was talking about. You can talk about children's discipline. There are times when you need to instruct the children. And there are times when you need to confront the children. You will confront the behavior. If it's a stupid behavior, you have to confront it. Because they are growing. You say, uh-huh. So when it comes to older folks, then we have to go about it in a very gentle manner, like he's saying here. You see, time is fast, fast spent. We, we haven't even gotten to widows and what have you. But I believe it's, it's been good, a good discussion. Lord willing, next week we'll continue. But what has stood out for you just with this discussion? What, what Pastor? Something that grabs my attention is the way in which, like, as we're growing as Christians, we are growing in certain ways that are like, gender-specific. Mm -hmm. You know, the godly man, godly mm -hmm. woman, godly older man, godly younger woman. Um, you know, we're really not just growing as generic Christians. There are sort of like gender-specific facets mm. to our Christian life. Um, you know, now of course there are certain things that all Christians ought to cultivate. We should all cultivate humility and whatnot. Um, but you know, a godly man has some virtues and attributes that are different from a godly woman. I mean, thinking about how bizarre that is in our culture that our culture wants to get rid of gender, imaginary, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, how radically different the whole Christian worldview is mm -hmm. from. Yes, it's a very good connection, Pastor has made that. Yes, ma'am. We, we seem to focus on, and it's the first time we're here, but we didn't really focus so much. It tells us to encourage, yeah. which yeah. just kind of changes the whole flavor of mm -hmm. what we're doing. Encourage yeah. means to instill courage. Yeah. It's, it's adding information to help them be courageous to do the right thing and mm -hmm. set them in the right direction. Yes, very important point. Encourage, you see, we need to provoke each other to good works. Last one. Then we close with that. What are you taking away? A young person from the back. Just sum up for us. One person. Build the whole group up. <laughs> Today I'm on you. 
Just sum up. What are you taking away? One person from the back. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot today. Just one person. Just what are you taking away from our discussion? Ready? I don't know. I was thoroughly entertained. This <laughs> you are what? Thoroughly entertained. You, you enjoyed the, the discussion. Yes. I just think that it's so important to disrespect the older people, mm -hmm. but then also know that even though you should respect them, you can still come to them in love and concern for them. Yes. And respect them that way mm -hmm. by showing that you care. Yes. And that's a very important principle. And it's about our family relationship, or no? Right. Let's pray and then we can be out of here. Father, thank you for uh, the exposition in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. We ask that, oh Lord, you'd continue to help us to understand and appreciate these truths. Help us to hide these truths on our hearts, oh God. We might not sin against you. We pray for the next stage of our program. Take us through, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your patience.